Welcome everyone to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Say what you want about our dystopian horror show. It has a nice view. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 503, A Life Spent, comes to you courtesy of Cree Blue Grocers, the perfect place to get your produce. Indeed, Pete, gotta eat healthy even when you're there on some space prison slash purgatory place. Want to just thank everybody who's been along with us, not just for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. ride, but for all that we've been doing lately. We've been doing Punisher once or twice a week. A, 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 a profound experience. No joke, no sarcasm. We've been doing uh, Runaways once a week, an effervescent, exciting experience. But uh, as always, Pete, it comes back to the mothership in an episode that has a ship. The last couple have. <laughs> Well, let's dive on into it. When we catch you up on what went down, our teaser mat zooms in on the earth there with a ship and we can uh, make out there's some kind of structure happening on there before we're whisked back to the lighthouse where Simmons is at a reception, uh, the white noise humming in her ears Um and uh, we have Cassius offering his um, his guests what the Terrans referred to as a martini, you know, fermented sugars, all that. And they're awaiting the Lady Basha. Indeed, Pete, always time for a teeny martini, as you say when you've had too many. Um, Lady Basha doesn't show up, though, Pete. She has sent a... Uh, 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 an advanced uh, advanced man he is giving the regrets of lady basha despite all those earth cuisines and uh, it is highlighted that basha however is looking forward to the ceremony pete we're mm-hmm. going to hear about that a bunch of times and then resolve it three quarters <laughs> way through the episode what 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 plotting really great use of the simmons pov here anytime uh, they're going to do things like perhaps discuss details of the ceremony that the narrative does not want us to know. Uh, we cut to Simmons where she has no idea what's going on. Also, really love how it's sinking in in this episode as her vision is a bit blurry. You know, it's kind of like she's she, she's being kept dulled. Yeah, and I think used to greatest effect as uh, Cassius absolutely freaks out in silence and then sonora comes over calms him kisses him and looks directly at simmons really unnerving there uh before he speaks to her and says we have a problem for you uh to fix for your sake you better fix it before we go to the title card still no name on this pod matt Yes, which which is surprising, particularly given, as you noted last podcast, that it seemed Jeff Loeb was going to give us one at New York Comic Con, and it, it kind of faded away. Um, Forgot. Is, uh, <laughs> he, he was on the verge of saying it. Jeff Loeb got does distracted. Not, <laughs> he does not forget things, Pete. He's in on the long game, too. He wants us wondering, what could it be? Um, but, uh, I mean... I, to me, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agents in Space works for me just fine. Uh, but after that title card, we are back with Coulson, Mac, and Yo-Yo. They're working hard. They're 9 to 5 under Grill. Uh, he does not abide troublemakers nor agitators. And uh, they're clearly giving the, the newbies a hard time. Yo-Yo in particular for uh, allegedly working too slow. And um, <laughs> this causes Mac to want to open up Zev's head, he ends up getting a magnetic pull to the doorway and a little shock there. But Pete, he's got ulterior motives too. Yeah, and with Grill here, he tells them that as long as they owe him, he owns them. Something tells me old Grill would have been a uh, uh, Roy Moore man. Ooh, um, I wish I could disagree. 
but I'm not the one who said those things about different kinds of people this week. The story moves Pete to other people, Daisy and Deke. Uh, she does not believe that she's the one that split the world apart. Pete, it's like Daisy heard what Mary Kirk said to us last week. How can it be all timey-wimey with, with their they're there and she hasn't done it i'm sorry no take it back it was jamie Patton. i do apologize jamie and mary and jamie in particular for having misremembered jamie saying it was oh it's so timey-wimey how could she be there and not have done it that's when boom the narrative steps in deke has an answer it's the multi-universe theory you're the daisy that didn't do it but you're in the place where the daisy did do it i don't know that i buy any of that pete but it is a nice timeline sidestep dosey doe we can certainly talk a little bit about it in our level seven segment, but to check it out here. And I think you check off the various possibilities as you go through it. Um, you know, the, the slap here certainly, uh, gets the point across, um, before they catch up with the news about the renewal that's taken place, but oh no, your friends are fine. They're, they didn't get renewed. Didn't happen there. Um, we have Yo-Yo uh, speaking Spanish with Mac. Again, a, a carryover from the previous episode, a way for them to communicate and not be uh, you know, understood by others. Meanwhile, Tess and May uh, are tagging along. Um, and the idea that Virgil still owed a debt to grill so they've got to take the trawler out and they need a crew ah there's two here it's not immediately clear which two also are going to get to come before it's mac and colson to go with uh may and tess somewhat um under uh, under emphasized in this particular scene is uh that mac was able to have a look in Grill's office when he went in there. Indeed, mm -hmm. his agitation was recon, not stupidity. That's made clear enough, but I think the fact that he was trying to determine the, the location of the uh, the scroll device, that to me was not, not entirely clear upon the viewing. Up in the uh, area where uh, Cassius has his... Uh pleasure dome <laughs> i call that the executive suite i don't know if that's something you want to go with me personally i'm calling it the executive suite okay <laughs> or the penthouse how about the penthouse the penthouse of the lighthouse yeah <laughs> we have uh simmons we have sonora here there's a remote that is used and uh there is a young girl who is crying uh but she wasn't harmed thank goodness uh, she did this to herself. We learn her name is Abby. Uh, Simmons wants to find out how long she's had seizures. Uh, only since the pterogenesis, Matt, has she had the seizures. Uh, but she's not ready for ceremony. Uh, she doesn't know what's going to happen to her if she was to face that in her uncertain, inhuman mode which uh, initially comes off as being um not not see-through but touch through you know not physically solid um and she was she was sue storm for a couple seconds and she then was. she was and her hair looked great the entire time <laughs> by the way Pete, side note let, let's just spend 10 seconds to say with what appears to be the impending initial overture for uh Disney to buy vast portions of uh, of the Fox holdings, including Fox Movie Studio, which comes with it, all the Marvel rights, this and that, the other. Boy, I'd hate to be Josh Trank, who burned bridges with both Star Wars and Fantastic Four, which means uh, now any Marvel movie that that isn't spider-man and any star wars movie and any avatar movie and any anything that's combining those two studios they're not going to touch him with a 10-foot pole as if they were before this merger it's it's down to uh bankers numbers at this point matt it is a virtual lock um but when we pick up here matt without act two uh daisy and yo-yo here 
catch up. Uh, Daisy in the shadows um, explaining or rather learning from Yo-Yo that they are indentured servants to the junkyard king. Um, and we have Zev who uh, threatens to put Yo-Yo in the crusher. Yeah, Pete, I'm starting to get the idea that Zev and Yo-Yo are not going to be friends by the end of this episode. Uh, we do also get some some suspicion here on Grill's part that he always worried Virgil was skimming. So now are these newbies taking over his racket? Is this a much more coordinated thing than, uh, than appeared initially? The story moves on to Tess, who finds Flint, who is uh, he's snoozing in the airlock, by which I mean he's sitting up at a 45-degree angle, <laughs> then leaning his head against the hard metal at another angle, which I guarantee you is no way to sleep, even in the, the awful conditions of the lighthouse. But uh, if their goal was to introduce a young man who can excite all the, the young fans, you know, what with your Abbeys and your Flints, and Pete the Dove Cameron coming from the Disney Channel soon. Oh boy, it's a great time to have two leads that are in their 50s and not in any way feel bad that they're starting to populate the show with a bunch of young folk, younger folk that already were young. Anyhow, but I digress. Off Flint goes, having been introduced successfully. Uh, Colson takes out Virgil's notebook and mentions Object 616, Pete. Break that what? one down for us. Yeah, Earth 616 being the primary universe that uh, Marvel tends to operate out of. Uh, so certainly a prominent number there to uh, to kind of throw down for some some cred beyond the story. Uh, but, you know, Tess uh, points out here she she's not interested in a side mission. But this is the main mission. Uh, they've got to ascertain what is up with this object and Earth in general. Um, back with Simmons here. And uh, Abby is explaining that all 18-year-olds go through the mist. At the ceremony, she will show off whatever her gift is. She's still not got a uh, real clear uh, grip on uh, and if successful, she'll be an ambassador. She'll uh, get to go to all these different planets and, and go and represent. Um, but uh, sometimes her hand feels so light it can pass through things. Sometimes it feels heavier than lead. Simmons quickly deduces that she can control her molecular density. Um, and then uh, Abby explains with the further exposition here that Ty, uh, the other gentleman will sometimes turn off her blocker. She has an inhibitor behind her left ear that can, uh, block her abilities, which is something we've not seen within humans yet. Precipitous stuff there for Abby and the story moves to the trawler. Once again, looking great. There's almost a sheen to it that to me made the ship as it would, you know, go over these sweet spots of light. Um, it almost made it look like it was a model. And I mean that in the best sense. It looked mm -hmm. like, it kind of looked like what we've seen before with these big models. Now they reflect light, uh, light that, you know, actually isn't there in space, which is to say there was a slight inauthenticity that made it look like the great effects we have seen in the past. And credit to, you know, the design is evocative of the Milano or any of the ships that the Ravengers use in Guardians of the Galaxy. And again, you know, you, you have a, a lineage, yet they have made them bigger and they, the show has made them their own rather than we're going to steal this. You know, Star Trek would literally take ships that appeared on the film screen and then throw them on TV. You know, no need to design a new ship. And, and here they've made this their own, which I can really appreciate. Uh, I believe there's even a classic Trek episode where the, the number of the ship is like, well, they've taken 1701 and they've reshuffled it around just with the decals. Like that's how, that's how little, little trouble they took with the new ship. But I digress. Pete, May is flying, of course, because as we know, if you know how to fly a jet, you can fly anything. 
Colson thinks that this trip is their last shot. There is a quick acknowledgement that May's leg still hurts. Will they be able to find a way back through all of this? Colson actually is down on it. He's managing expectations. Maybe they don't get back. Maybe this is it. Hashtag renew shield now. I think that's the message. Right. Watch it uh, live. Tweet about it. Get people watching it. And we'll cover that in a little bit, given some of the feedback today. But uh, May, May is down on what the story's done with her. Yeah, you mentioned the leg before. Prior to that, being in the framework, being Hydra, all of these things to lead her down this path. Before we're back with Grill, he's eating, uh, he's yelling at the new people. He gets an alert on his little device there, looks up. Yo-Yo's still uh, you know, playing possum, gets it again. We know, of course, Yo-Yo's moving around at supersonic speed, but instead uh, he needs to tighten her device. Here it is as we record. We are a couple hours away from what's going to be an entire day of snow tomorrow. I just couldn't help but say their grill is. He's really enjoying that soup. We all have those days where you just you need some soup. He was having himself some soup. Yo-Yo here tricking him at at, at this moment of tender soup enjoyment, uh, he comes out of uh, his office. Uh, he's determined that her metric must be on the fritz. He takes off what looked like to be the top part. There still is some, you know, part uh, in the skin there. She runs. Great scene. I know we've seen her in motion before. What turns this from the lady ran while we used a camera at a very high frame rate and played it back slow. What makes it is that there are these blur lines of her, which makes it an effect shot, which adds money to it. Um, they it was easily... almost a puff type of effect, you know, as she moved each iteration of her yes. uh, that we'd not seen before. It, it, it's really, really nice, and they could have done without it. It just could have been, she's you know, we see her zip, and then we see her arrive. Instead, they do this. So again, word of this massive cut to budget, and every episode is now going to be them in an office playing cards because there's no money. No, 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 that's not the case. Um, she gets from his office, gets the scroll device, gets it to a, uh, a waiting uh, Daisy, and then back in time to have them, the the uh, metric fixed. No more dilly dallying. Meanwhile, uh, Tess uh, says that uh, their their friend has not noticed that they are off course just yet. Um, and Coulson, looking over the uh, damage done to the Earth, what remains? It's a miracle anyone survives. He says. Uh, and then, of course, there's Virgil's little globe. He never left home without inside, Matt. They open it up. They found the lost knob. You know, the lost knob, right? The knob that was lost. Pete, coming. I can we, we can exclusively break this news now. <laughs> coming to the ABC website and YouTube over the, the brief winter break will be Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. colon the lost knob in which Virgil comes back and we learn about the history of the knob, the hiding of the knob. And I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, nevertheless, they're able to open a compartment there, uh, find out that Virgil was talking to someone before Zev Matt as our act and discovers them. Busted. We come on back still on the trawler. Everyone is secure you know, magnetized there, everyone except for Zev and Tess, may make sure everyone is secure, then flips the ship, and there's a scramble for the remote. Quick scene, quick fight scene, fun nonetheless. Uh, ultimately, there's Mac, who had not started out in the, uh, in the scene, who takes Zev out with one of those classic Mac punches. Uh, but Tess is, is, uh, is over-the-top concerned. A superior has been attacked. There is no good way out now. Yeah, so there's a certain sense of stake that we had not had before. You know, there's a lot of ominous statements, but, you know, you attack a superior, you're dead. 
Meanwhile, Matt, Abby cannot control her power, and Simmons is trying to walk her through that, explains to her about protons, neutrons, and electrons, that there's infinite space between each, and she can control the space between them. Uh, and if she imagines that, she'll key in on it. She's able to put her hand through the glass, never been able to hold it steady that long before, before she ultimately does lose focus and it breaks. Yes, the power is a bit wobbly, but Simmons says not to worry. Sometimes it takes months. Luckily, Pete, they have all the time in the world, except time is up. Cassius comes in and in fact says the time is now. Abby is sent off, and then uh, Simmons is put on silent mode again. Cassius asks Sonara if Gemma was set up for failure with this. What is it that makes her so different? Sonara says what I believe is her first bit of dialogue. It is. Compassion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rather ominous there. Uh, Daisy has that map device, uh, and Deke asks her what she's doing with it. Storming the castle shouldn't be the play, Matt. Should without be a plan, no less. Storm, storming the castle without a plan. Yeah, that uh, this requires finesse. He explains to her, uh, "You're going to pick a fight with the Blues today. They took out three. Tomorrow could be thirty. You already destroyed the world once. Okay, not going to let you do it again. Uh, you're Quake. You're destroyer of worlds. Here, we we've got to rethink this." Sounds like she's a hella of a person. Uh, we go back to the trawler. Colson is trying to tune uh, tune into the, the, the signal coming from Rock 616. Uh, it's at this point the test suggests perhaps they should dump Zev and uh, our stalwart agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. No way, no how. Despite the rule that a life saved is a life earned, um, they will not kill. They have the the Batman rule, except for in the DC Cinematic Universe for as long as that lasts. And all the people that Batman kills with, you know, gun and rocket violence. But that's a that's a different story. Um, there is this debate, but then Coulson tunes in a signal. Uh, however, May is able to quickly look at it and say it's bouncing off of 616, for, but from the surface of the Earth. And then, Pete, she has a whole discussion explaining the science. Why? Unfortunately, we don't see that because it's an act break. <laughs> yes. And as we return there, uh, much talked about finally appearing, we have Lady Basha, who appears to be largely human, Matt, with the exception of red eyes. And later she refers to Taryn, so she's clearly not a human. Those eyes or rather those contact lenses make her a different race. She's this a, is, this a is len cla classic Trek aliens. You know, a the, ones, the ones that look just like central casting, except you put them in a space diaper that covers their bits, uh, or maybe, you know, paint them orange and go totally different. If, if you want to point to some budget saving, here's where they're doing it. And, I'd rather them do that versus, oh, this is an episode where everyone's in lockdown and there are no uh, special effects this week. Like, keep your special effects budget as a portion of your whatever, of your episode budget. Keep makeup, keep this, keep that. Hey, there's a superior bunch that looks like normal people with normal pancake makeup in normal shades and they wear contact lenses. Boom. I am willing to make that concession as an audience member. I I guess. <laughs> I mean, maybe hit us a little earlier that she's another race and not wearing cosplay uh, designer lenses. I wonder, I, could they have done that, that most elegant of solutions that we have seen in, uh, in the collector and then in the, um, the grand, uh, what was his name? The Jeff Goldblum character in Thor. That was the Grand Master. The Grand Master, where it's like normal face, some weird vertical or horizontal coloring. You know, would that have been enough, or would that have brought down Kevin Feige? He would have. He would have called his boss, head of Disney, Bob Iger, who then would have called 
an underling to call an underling to call Jeff Loeb and say, what are you doing? So. Ooh, trouble. <laughs> sometimes it's the fights you don't have. Regardless, Pete, this whole scene with Basha here, it is intercut with that Simmons point of view, unable to hear. Um, but they all ultimately go into a viewing room, which in no way is a possible redress of the S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters uh, basement, which was a prison for a time where, where Ward and maybe Squidward were kept. Um, bottom line, though, Abby is brought in on the one side. Two people enter. When the other side opens up, we see that there's a mask gladiator. So it's definitely two people enter. One person leaves. And uh, Basha was expecting a warrior to go against the guy I call her champion, yeah, her champion who's killed 13 opponents in seven systems. And Abby is really roughly thrown aw- around. Matt, dare I say, we pushed the 9 o'clock time slot with what followed. I would say perhaps we we, we approached pushing it. Um, certainly, I think the stunt woman shots are stunt woman shots when you don't see the face. Luckily, this fighting room has some elevated pad areas where he throws her initially. But at the end of the day, this is a kid character being thrown around, being bloodied. And uh, it appears that the champion is going in for the kill as uh, Abby starts to beat on the door. So, as always, writer 101, moment of highest tension. Let's cut away to another story, Pete. <laughs> yeah, let's head over to uh, to Daisy there um and uh check in with her in what is largely inconsequential before we come back and uh basha is disappointed matt simmons meanwhile is encouraging abby um and then think of the stars steadies herself right she steadies herself uh for my money the the best shot of the night the gladiator coming in with a fist and it just you know, breaking all the bones in his hands. They crack. Um, you see them starting to move under the, the skin to too. Buckle. Yeah. Which was good before, uh, that decided Matt, we get back to, uh, the trawler. Well, let's not forget. She also reaches into him perhaps inadvertently, perhaps not. And that, uh, that kills him because it messes up his guts. I did not write down the Mortal Kombat uh, move just there, but yes, you're 100% correct. I, I was too busy tweeting that gif of Kano ripping uh, <laughs> Johnny Cage's heart out from 1992. Back we go to the trawler. Zev is belly aching from whatever spot they're holding him, uh, which essentially is putting pressure on the plot. They can't get... The, the signal, Zev is complaining. All of a sudden, the fuel lines are cut completely off screen. That's when May tells us it's time to turn and burn. Because, you know, Pete, if you don't constantly keep your rockets on, there's not a law of motion that says you'll just keep going. Which, to be fair, I'm being a little cheeky. They want to avoid the gravity wells. Yeah, she's concerned about those storms there. Uh, back with Basha here. The uh, the Terrans, she says, were such an unremarkable species. So now we have it in dialogue. She's not a, a, an Earthling or descendant from them. Uh, Simmons sees uh, money. She sees an object. Uh, change hands here. Looks like the uh, the control that uh, she's noticed before. And uh, this is done all as agreed, Matt. And she tries to speak out for Abby, who's just been sold. But again, Sonora cuts her off there. Um, And Simmons shares some of this blame here. If she would not have worked with Abby, she would not have fetched such a high price. Though, to be fair, if she had not worked with Abby, Abby would have gone into the thing and been beaten to a pulp. So, agree. Fetch a high price. I think the the writing is cheating, perhaps a tad. It's not like they were going to take Abby for 5,000 space credits, and now she's been taken for 15,000. I think it would have been the price of sending her, you know, to the 
incinerator or something like that. I just want to point out, Pete, part of the conclusion of this scene, as I referenced on Twitter, to me it's one time too many where we get, oh no, someone is speaking out, so Sonora will grind her metal balls in her hand while the guitar goes, bad trouble. You know what really grinds my metal balls? <laughs> Did that scene grind your metal balls, or was was there something else? No, that, that I was going to say that that it's a, a Family Guyism. You know, you know what really grinds my gears <laughs> uh, or my metal balls? Yeah, uh, with Act Five here, Matt, we come back to uh, Daisy. Uh, and she gets in the white lift there. One of suddenly the uh, the blue hand in the white lift, and quickly there's another Cree who uh, gets in there. Says he has a couple more. He's got all the produce. The one guy had crates of lemons. It looked like the others were tomatoes. And uh, Daisy is suddenly in the well of the light fixture up the top. And her shoes squeak, giving her away before she's fighting. She's flipping. Uh, she does get punched by the one guy. And then she stops playing around and quakes him into a wall. Really incredible fight scene. Not super long, but I mean, really, really hard action between it and the music. I honestly was thinking of The Matrix. And I don't mean the boring parts from the third movie. I'm certainly not saying that this was a groundbreaking fight I, I, a la The Matrix, but it was quite good. It made me sit up and, you know, in an episode that was, that was good, not great, this was, a, this was a great moment. However, Pete, the MacGuffin of the episode, the scroll, it has now been broken, and Daisy hadn't been quiet about any of it. Wah, wah. I guess she'll have to find another way to advance her plot. Yeah, uh, and we're back with Grill here, uh, and Zev has explained to him what's gone on, that they mutinied, um, and they want to kill Mac first, but Tess says it was her. Yo-Yo, however, interrupts all this, and she says that uh, it's Zev who has the contraband. He has a gun. He threatened me with it. He probably threatened them with it. They search him. And of course, Matt, because of her super speed and her ability to uh, pull it out before she's planted the gun on him, we learn that humans aren't allowed to have firearms. <gasps> what? Is that a violation of God-given Second Amendment rights? Pete, that's, that's how bad things have gotten. Because, Pete, they voted for the blue people. <laughs> Do you see the subtext here? Oh my gosh, it's it, it's all connected. We're back to deep oh. social commentary here. Wait, they're 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 uh, metrics glow red, Matt. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yep. Oh my gosh. We've uncovered it, Pete. Oh my lady, Bosh. Uh, um, what made red this, eyes? Red what skin. made what what made this scene for me was the fact that. I think it was out of focus. It certainly was in the background. You could see Yo-Yo flicker for a second as as Tess is uh, is is giving her speech about oh we, you know we we did this and you know so on and so forth. It doesn't or you know, Tess is trying to take the blame. It's a really really well done scene. Um, Zev, of course, being told that no one is above the rules, um, and uh, the the takeaway is now Grill giving uh, trust to Tess and company. With that, Pete, we end up with Daisy in some fancy halls. That's when she gets blocked once, blocked twice. And Pete, she gets gassed with that sweet, sweet gas, which is enough to drop her, enough to prevent her from using her uh, her, her midichlorian uh, quake power. <laughs> but it's not enough to knock her out because there's some dialogue that must be right. said. Yes, Cassius uh, comes around here that this is a rare occasion that he was right who's the he mad of course it's deke that oh, he's he's wrapped this pretty pretty package up for him uh quake the destroyer of worlds how is she there though 
the important thing is that she's there, Matt. Um, and uh, Deke tells her that uh, he's sorry, sweetheart, but he's just playing the long game before we hit that tag, most of which we've already seen. Yeah, I like that she um, like that she passes out and then that's the act end. I appreciate that as we return for a, a somewhat lengthy tag scene here, I appreciate that we get where we where we left off shockingly at the end of last season. To me, it felt ever so slightly shoehorned in here. Maybe that's because they wrote the zinger at the end of last season without fully knowing where they were going to end up, which is 100% fine. I do not expect you to conclude 22 episodes right. and have not just general... <laughs> Or, 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 or moderately specific trajectory for the next season. I also don't expect you to fully know what's going on. Three and, episodes deep. Yeah. That, that's an unrealistic expectation. But that they begin with it and then they continue with it um, to, you know, have Coulson after he, he gets back to work here looking out into space with Tess and Mac and Yo-Yo and May in the other room that they're getting this signal from the surface, uh, looking for Virgil. Uh, have you secured the delegation? It's been three days. And uh, Tess mentions a couple times, Matt, nothing can survive on the surface. That's where they send people to die before we go down to the surface where Zev has been stranded and the Vrelnexians uh, swarm him. We'll see you next week. The dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys. Matt, let's begin with Cassius. I don't know how much of Cassius is the actor and how much is the performance. With all due respect to the actor, there's something about the character that I do not like, and not just like, oh, he's the he's the sleazy guy. There was one moment where I was just like, dude, I don't like your haircut, <laughs> and that's not the fault of the actor. It could be a wig or could no. Be I think it's it's to the success that we don't like him. I mean, look at the the stuff they do around the eyes. I mean, we talked about it a little bit in the last podcast episode, but what they do around the eyes, you know. When we get to Sonora in a second, we can talk about her. But, you know, he's got this mottled, speckled thing happening around his eyes that comes off el elgitarian at the same time. It, it's annoying, <laughs> but but in a good way. What what really I don't want to say sold him as a bad guy because he's been that way since day one. But what added to it in this episode was when he was stroking Simmons face. Um, and you know, uh, obviously they made this episode back in the summer and whatnot, but it's only worse now to see this man in authority closing in, closing into personal space in that way. Um, it has extra resonance now versus maybe a month ago or two months ago or six months ago. Uh, for some of us, for others, I think they would read it as the, the, the creepiness that it is regardless. Um, and, and side note, the fact that we are all seeing, all understanding the inappropriateness of this, I think, is, is, is a, a fortunate byproduct of unfortunate stories coming out. But yeah, Cassius, no good. And with Sonora here, and yes, they've oversold officially get in somebody's space and twist the balls around her little metal balls. They're not, you know, anatomically speaking, although that they are aliens, Pete, but we're not here to judge. You can be however, however, genuinely, this is not a smart ass comment. However, Sonora self identifies. I am okay with that. Her indiscriminately contributing to the death of people. That's where I judge her. Yeah. Um, but I get the feeling with the makeup, um, which is really, really interesting that they, you know, I'll, I'll go arrested development here that they, that they blew her and, and then they skin tone that there's not a part of the face that they're not bluing and then they're pinking. 
there's something so captivating about this actress. I think it's one of these things, these intangibilities where you'd say there's just something in her eyes, the way she carries her body that spells slinky trouble, but trouble at the end of the day. And to have her speak for the first time and say one word and to yeah. say a, a word that has, you know, largely positive denotation, but to say it, you know, we mentioned Star Trek before. It's like in the 2009 film where Spock has just been not allowed into the Vulcan Science Academy and he tells them to live long and prosper. And it's like he just said, go to hell. Um, you know, you got that vibe when she said compassion. Absolutely. Pete, surely on your myth, your, your, your list here must be Lady Basha, who doesn't mind having human youngsters battle big giant uh, gladiators. I did not put her on my list. I'm going to tell you why. We've Ooh. not seen any villainy out of her. This was commerce, Matt. She uh, she came and, and she watched, you know, some uh, some we don't know if the other guy wasn't inhuman. He could have just been a strong dude. Um, but, you know, she's she's just, uh, you know, tending to uh, some athletes here, some uh, some some, you know, highly uh, capable and, and physical people. So I don't see her on our list just yet. I had grill on our list next. And, uh, you know, the way that he's holding down our heroes at this point, far more nefarious than somebody who's going to allow them to, uh, compete, albeit in a controlled atmosphere. Particularly with, um, kind of a quasi slavery aspect here yeah. you know i own you um I, I i like that the show is is um augmenting that slight hint there you know they're not turning this into an exploration of slavery in america in the 19th century but the fact that you do have two characters of color who are putting up with this level of disrespect uh, as is Colson equally, but just there's that extra visual, I think, just to say, even though we're not turning this episode or this arc into an Agents of Hydra response in a big way to big issues happening con concurrent to the writing, still, though, I think there's just that added uncomfortability of this isn't just kind of space slavery. This is a reminder that it's people doing this to people. Yeah, he... You know, he's he's not the ultimate big bad, but a cog in a system that believes it's OK for people to own and enslave people in such a way. Again, not in a gladiatorial sense that you might work your way up and, and ultimately free yourself through success. These people are there to work until they can't work anymore and then they are cast aside or they're going to slaughter one another to, uh, you know, a, attempt to curry favor and stay alive for the masters there. So, you know, yeah, there's some comedic relief with it, but at the same time, it's, it's an uncomfortable metaphor. Pete, we must conclude with Zev who part of me feels bad for him in this episode. Yes. He, he starts the episode giving the, the shocky metric thing to uh to yo-yo uh he certainly seems to pick on her in particular seems to highlight her perceived laziness um all of this working against him but at the end of the day he's given the job to kind of suss out a a conspiracy of sorts he finds it he successfully resolves it uh only to be to be framed for a crime he did not commit coming soon the special wintertime spinoff zev the a-team yeah, eaten by aliens here at the end. It's going to be that's why it's a short. <laughs> he he made poor choices, Matt. He chose poorly and uh it it could have gone in other directions. He could have, you know, been an ally to our heroes and instead again within the framing of this story uh, loyal to the master and what did it get him? They plotted against him and, you know, they're able to stay alive and, uh, you know, he's, uh, Vrel Nexian Chow. 
join the resistance in this galaxy or another, in this timeline or another, or pay the consequences. Speaking of resistance, Matt, uh, our patrons uh, who help us out at patreon.com slash fantastic geek, not only are they the resistance, they help us with their persistence despite Patreon's new fee structure. Yes, which has made things go up a tiny bit, I believe. For example, this is the Patreon example. If you were giving at, at the $10 level, now it's $10.60 or $11.60. That's not something that we, Pete and I, have initiated. That's not something that uh, users in general were, were uh, questioned about and then the majority went with. That's just something that they kind of dropped. I know plenty of people are angry. Uh, I know plenty of creators that are similar to yeah. us, you know, kind of, you know, I mean, we, we like what we do. We like the numbers that come in. <laughs> There's a reason that we're not on, we, we don't have our own e-reality show or that we're not, you know, the, the go-to reporters on Entertainment Tonight. You know, in, in that regard, we're we're small time and we appreciate the, the support from the listeners. So creators like us are not happy. Patrons uh, out there. Are, are not happy and are voicing it with with uh, changes in their support. So I guess message number one is we did not do that, and and we continue to appreciate the support people get. And um, certainly, if you have questions about it, reach out to us, and we'd be glad to we'd be glad to talk to you about about how that how that intersects with us as creators and you as patrons helping to support Fantastic Geek. And those changes, withstanding all the more reason, we're grateful for what people are uh, able and willing to contribute, particularly at a time of year where, you know, you've got other uh, things demanding your funds, holiday season and all, uh, you know, the the bills that we get compared to, uh, you know, real life necessities, uh, you know, at at this time of year uh, pale in comparison. So, as always, the support is appreciated. Checking out patreon.com slash fantasticgeek is appreciated. Pete, I think best appreciated now. It wouldn't even be contact info with you because we're not there yet. Let's talk some theories. How's that sound? Welcome to level seven. Time to analyze and theorize Matt multiverses. It is certainly is a heck of a way to be able to have your cake and eat it too um actually had somebody come up to me today and say do you believe in multiverses totally unconnected with this episode and i said well my meager understanding of the science is that it's 100 percent scientifically possible and zero percent provable at this stage of the game so do i believe they exist no do I believe in the theory? Absolutely. Could this be a way narratively to undo that which was done? If so, let's see Let's see what the execution is. I mean, the entire Agents of Hydra story line was able to be undone with an unplug. Yes, there was some PTSD and some regret and whatnot afterwards. And I, and I certainly don't mean to minimize that. But from a narrative point of view, we knew they got out through it okay. Uh, same thing with Fitz's brain damage in the earlier seasons. Six episodes later, basically fully functional. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see if this is just, hey, we want to knock up another, we want to knock down another theory that fans are going to put out there or we want to discuss it, or are they doing something with it? Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. continues to show why it is a player in the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe even floating this idea before any of the movies have gone there, Matt. Um, I mean, yes, you, you talk about Ant-Man and the, um, the, the whatever, whatever that, you know, he could go into and, uh, you know, you would continue to fall further and further into it until, you know, it was infinitesimally tiny, uh, where, um, uh, Janet Van Dyne uh, wound up. But what about this aspect here that, you know, not only were they sent here, they were sent when they were sent to 
potentially a different universe, which solves a lot of problems. I don't know if that's going to be the case, but that it's even been floated out there. And then you take that into consideration with the 616 reference um, that obviously there's other Earths, um, you know, each one being in its own universe is a really tantalizing detail. It is. And not really having a sense of how long they're going to continue with this story, which I think is probably, that's probably the best reason to not have named this pod, if indeed it is a pod, if they're going with that, you know, whatever the future might hold, uh, for whatever reason, budgetary, creative, etc. Um, this just being Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it gives the sense we don't know when the way out is, you know, as opposed to, oh, at a certain point they're going to wrap up Ghost Rider, oh, there's a Ghost Rider thing to take him home. Okay, goodbye, Ghost Rider. Uh-oh, now we have LMDs next week. Um, this is a bit more open-ended, and yeah. it's different from last season. And thank goodness it's different, because as much as it, as great as it was to do these three interlocking but unique uh, storylines last season, who says that's the playbook? Rip up the playbook, start again. Matt, are you saying they're playing a long game? Pete, they are playing a long game. Is your next question going to be whether Deke is playing a long game for Daisy or against her? Well, that Daisy winds up, the the moment you saw some kind of gladiatorial setup within humans, it was start the clocks on, on when Daisy winds up in Cassius's clutches so that she can be used in such a setting. Um, almost two would be all right that they've emphasized her attractiveness while you couldn't do it with abby uh for a couple different reasons are they gonna try to slave leia uh daisy here in this environment i think this show is far too savvy in (laughs) in the modern world with the modern audience to throw her in a metal bikini um, if, if that's what you're leading towards, I think, I, just... I mean that as again, the, the trope of, Oh, okay. He, here you are, you're going to, you know, fight for your supper and, Oh wait, Padme just got a scratch on the back of her shirt, which somehow tore, uh, the, the cloth on her torso. And now we can see her belly button. Um, I, I just wondered if given the way that Deke interacts with her and Cassius, uh, looking at Simmons, looking now at Daisy, the subjugation of these women based on their looks. Well, if that's step one, step two is going to be the future is female and it's going to be, you know, one heck of a reckoning from those ladies. So it pays off even better in terms yeah. of, well, you're going to you're going to mess with them that way. Well, eventually it's going to come back around to you. Sounds like somebody might get an old grab them by the metallic balls there. <laughs> Let's check the wire, Matt. First up, I had posted a poll this morning on Twitter, uh, of course, reminding people it was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Day and the regular time here, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 Central. And I asked, will you be watching? And the uh, choices were yes, in the future, a little pun towards our setting here and I put in parentheses DVR etc doesn't fits my schedule and then lastly no and with 67 votes Matt over 12 and a half hours 43% said they would be watching live uh, 28% both for in the future and no and then 1% for doesn't fits my schedule. So somebody had to pick the, the pun there. Hmm. Well, certainly nice to see, uh, nice to see a hearty bit of, uh, of live viewing there. I guess we have not talked ratings from the last episode, so let's do that now. Ratings for last week's episode got a 0.7, which uh, bad news was even 
to where the show had averaged last season. Good news, uh, you are more a point seven is more valuable on a Friday night than it is on any other night. So, if you go by the uh, TV by the numbers metrics, no pun intended there, um, Shield is actually in a better chance of renewal or or better number of safety with a point seven on yes. a Friday than it was on a Tuesday. So it's actually an improved situation. Although my goodness, people let's get more people watching live, but yeah. just staying the course is now more valuable. It's like, if you want to use a sports analogy. It's like, you know, if you're, if, if, if you're moved from the major leagues to triple a, uh, and your batting average goes up. Okay. The good news is it still isn't maybe enough to be a smash hit, but now you're really, really good amongst lesser people. It's worrisome in that, okay, it's where the numbers had been. But like you said, it's worth more on a Friday night. So that that begs continuance. It, it's got to stay around there. We can't fall off of this. We can't get back into inhuman, you know, five, four territory or things are going to get dicey um and the two-hour premiere actually works against them from a rating standpoint because it's very difficult on network tv to hold a rating for two hours so once we get the ratings back on the overnights from tonight that's going to be a more representative sample and then you run that against subsequent weeks and see what you're looking at and it's a tough time of year for ratings too, Matt. You know, we talked last week. They're going to run an episode on Friday, December 22nd, so two weeks from today, which is historically like, all right, we'll see you in the second week of January. Yeah, it's – on the one hand, I mean – Please, let's all forego the, oh, they did this to kill the show. Yeah, they invested money in 22 episodes they can so that they could properly cancel the show as opposed to last season where they could have canceled the show. Uh, or they could have done a 13-episode order with a possibility of more. Nope, 13's it. Um, you don't bring something back so that you could kill it. That's not yeah. the way that it works. Except for the possibility of Once Upon a Time, but that's a different story. Um how about this? The gamble, their cost-cutting move to Friday gamble and reboot that show, from what I understand, certainly is not working from a ratings point of view. Um, but, yeah, just got to keep watching week to week. Pete, speaking of mailbag, I'll tell you some, uh, some people enjoying what they're seeing. Our pal Mary Kirk, I'm having an excellent time with this season thus far. Hashtag Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Hashtag space agents, which was a new one to me. Yeah, I mean, we could certainly go with space agents. I, I just want something official. I just want them to give us something <laughs> so that we can call it that. You know, we've had all these we, we've had an embarrassment of of riches with these pods. And I just want to know what to call this one. Uh, uh, Larry Dice Jr. That's at Deplorable Larry said that the episode was good, but not long enough. That's always a, uh, you know, wanting more is always a good thing. And now, Pete, let's talk about the poll I ran, which, by the way, is still live. So if you were listening to this um, before about 10.15 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or Daylight Time, whichever one we're in, Eastern Time, on uh, December 9th, you can still vote. How, how do you like tonight's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. vote, retweet, and reply? Getting 60% of the votes, greatest space show ever. 31% said playing the long game. 3% said down to earth. And 6% said faint transmission. So some people a little down on it, but certainly, what is that? 91% giving it uh, a three or four on the vaunted four point rubric. So uh, some good feedback from our fellow agents out there. Well, whatever you feel about it, make sure that you're watching it because I think we can agree that's the biggest thing right now are the ratings. Absolutely, Pete. The second biggest thing is being able to follow you on Twitter. How can people do so? 
You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 9,696. That's right, Matt. 9696. Followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast anytime you like. We are Fantastic Geek. Visit FantasticGeek.com. Email FantasticGeek at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram as well. We are where we are Fantastic Geek. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word. Like it today. We will be back on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. feed next Friday. Pete, do I have it right that on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we will talk Punisher on Sunday? Correct. Runaways on Tuesday. Some more Punisher after that. Some space battles after that. (laughs) It's a fun time. It is. Punisher in the home stretch. Uh, Heck, Runaways now entering the second half, right? Yep. Uh, so interesting. It, if you're not watching Runaways, you are missing out. I, I will say I will agree, and then I will say if you're not watching Punisher, you're missing out more. These are this is these are three fantastic shows, starting with the central idea of Marvel and then taking them in three separate directions. And it's just absolutely wonderful. Um, all I can say is thank goodness Star Trek Discovery took a break. Otherwise, I don't know. <laughs> We'd have to be taking some sick days at work. I don't know. Our sanity, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we're losing our sanity. With that, Pete, let's retain our sanity. Let's wrap this up. Let's go to bed. I'm going to say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. So what universe did that happen in? Mine or yours? Yours.